Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard from all, all, against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in an abundance of his possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for herself, but is not rich toward God. The word of God for the people of God. So from, let me just ask this question. How many parents do we have in the sanctuary? And how many parents do we have who are worshiping with us online? Just raise your hands. Just thank you so very much. This is great. Great, great, great. Put your hands down. How many of you um, have nurtured children and youth, although you're not a parent? Raise your hands. Very good, very good. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you have ever worked in a setting where children were present and you poured your life into their lives? Raise your hands. That should be parents as well as persons who are not necessarily parents, but you've nurtured children. Are all hands up? I won't even look intently, but put your hands down. All right. Thank you so very much. So from your perspective, as a parent or a non-parent, um, what is the greatest joy that you are experiencing? Or if you think back to the time that you nurtured that individual, that child or that youth, what was the greatest joy that you gleaned from that? Hold that thought. Uh, from your perspective as a parent, what has been your greatest heartache? As a parent, what are two of your greatest fears when it comes to your child or your children or your youth? Just briefly, some of you know that on this past week, I found myself serving as one of, a, as one of 12 jurors it was a felony case. Teenagers being charged with murder. I would suggest to you as a parent, I'm not a parent, I would suggest to you as a parent, one of our greatest fears or one of your greatest fears is that your child will get caught up and a lifestyle that will lead them to destruction. 
Let us pray. Loving God, we come to you on this day, thanking you for meeting us in this place through song, through scripture, through silence, through prayer, through fellowshipping with you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart bring you glory and honor. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. While we continue on this journey of looking to the prophets to provide us 21st century followers of Jesus Christ with insight and direction as we navigate the waters of this present time in our nation's history, a time that is filled with division, hatred, blind loyalty, and a false sense of security, just to name a few of the challenges that we are facing. We turn to Israel's prophets, prophets who could speak and speak about the future, but who could also speak about the current realities that they found themselves in, prophets like the prophet Hosea. Last week, we learned that Hosea's message is about God's judgment on Israel, particularly for its sin of idolatry or idol worship. And we define the term idol as something or someone that becomes more important to us than God. This definition informs us that anything or anyone can become an idol. Even good things can become idols. When the good thing or good person becomes more important to us than our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, when we value something or someone more than we value God, we have created an idol. So in the first chapter of the book of Hosea, we see the relationship between Yahweh, God, and Israel through the married life of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. This week, the metaphor of parent and child is used to describe Yahweh's or God's relationship with Israel. With Israel, The parental metaphor emphasizes Yahweh's nurturing and sustaining love. The more Yahweh loves Israel, the more Yahweh calls Israel, the more Israel abandons God turns away from God, and worships the Baals or the false gods. It's like a child or a youth disowning the parent. And I'm mindful that on today there are some parents that really are experiencing pain as a result of the actions, activities, behaviors of their children. And I'm mindful that there may be adults who, as children, you did not experience the kind of parental love that God is showing Towards Israel, this is my prayer, that regardless of the category that you find yourself in, that the awesome living God will speak to you and minister to you on this day. My Lord, my Lord, the son, the child, whom Yahweh, God, called out of Egypt, God declares, will return to Egypt because the child Israel has refused to repent of his sin, of turning away from the living God and turning towards 
idols. Yahweh laments. And he states, my people, Ami, are determined to turn away from me. It's no accident. No one can say, well, Israel did not know any better. No. They had entered into a covenantal relationship with God when God called them out of Egypt and sent them into Canaan. They had had this relationship with God. They had seen how God had provided for all of their needs, especially during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. God provided. God provided. And even as God called them from the wilderness into the Canaan land, God made sure that they found themselves in a land where they could prosper. And yet, and yet, and yet, when God called to them, they turned away. They turned away. Although they called to the Most High, although they turned from God, God continued to call to them. I just have a question for someone on today. Have you been hearing God calling your name? Calling you back into that intimate relationship with God that you once had? Are you hearing God calling your name to return to God who has demonstrated through Jesus Christ that God is faithful to be with you at all times, no matter how difficult the times might be? The people had turned away a conscious decision from God because they found the idol God, in particular Baal, more attractive. Last week, we asked a question. We asked a question uh, as we looked at this idol God called Baal that the Israelites had turned to. We asked a question, so what are some 21st century uh, potential idols that we followers of Jesus Christ must be careful about not falling prey to. And I did share with you a list of 10, and I highlighted the top three. Um, the, the, the idol, potential idol of identity, looking to others to help us to know what our identity is to be. Potential idol number one. Potential idol number two. Um, money, material things, more important than anything else. So we attempt to acquire them. And then the third one that I lifted up was the potential idol of comfort. Being more concerned about being comfortable than listening to and responding to the call of Jesus Christ, calling us out into the world. Now, I, I, I recognize that um, the above potential items, um, you may not even need to be concerned about. You've said, not me, mm -mm, not me, mm -mm, not me, good for you. I would suggest to you, however, that there is a particular potential idol that we sometimes overlook, and yet I want to lift it up on today. But before I do, let me just say to you again, God was calling out to Israel, and yet they did not hear God because they had turned away from God. I wonder, I wonder how many of us is God calling out to? But we cannot hear God. So this potential idol, idol that I want to lift up to you today is um, 
an idol that I would suggest can, can prevent one from hearing the call of God. And that, and that idol is called self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, according to a psychologist, is the, has the quality of feeling secure and content with oneself, a deep-rooted sense of inner completeness and stability. There's nothing wrong with that, right? No, there isn't. Self-sufficiency is associated with certain traits, certain traits, the psychologist goes on to say. Self-sufficient people have the ability and the desire to determine their own course, to make their own decisions, rather than having their life choices made by others. There's nothing wrong with that. They trust in their own instincts and are prepared to go their own way, even if it means going against the expectations of others. This description of self-sufficient people is not a bad description. We would all agree with that, unless, unless the self-sufficient person who acknowledges that he or she is a follower of Jesus Christ chooses not to engage Jesus Christ in his or her life when it comes to everyday matters, when it comes to decision-making. As one commentator said, and I quote, when followers of Jesus Christ fail to remember that God is our source and our end, the ground of our being and our heart's true home, it is easy to turn away from the source of our being and rely totally on ourselves. And when that happens, we wander from our true home we are lost. I'm thankful for the children's message on today because Minister Becky Baker lifted up such a person who was so self-sufficient that um, his line of thinking caused him to lose sight of his relationship with God. I love the Amplified Bible and the message translations of verse 21. So it is for the one who continues to store up and hoard possessions for himself and is not rich in his relationship toward God. That's the amplified translation. Listen to the message. That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. The antidote to self-sufficiency is discipleship. And author Phil Maynard in his book, Membership to Discipleship, Growing Mature Disciples, who make disciples, defines discipleship as follows, and I quote, being a follower of Jesus Christ, a lifestyle, a way of living that imitates Jesus Christ in every moment, in every action. Yes, discipleship is the intentional process carried out to maintain an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Tell me about how intimate you are, Pastor, with Jesus Christ. Tell me, Evangel Heights, church family and friends, how intimate is your relationship with Jesus Christ? That, that uh, discipleship self-assessment that we took some time ago it, it helps us to identify the areas of growth that are needed to become more like Jesus. And let me just tell you, nobody scored 100 in all areas. None of us did. Do you see my hand up? I know your hand is not raised, but I see that it is. The antidote to self, 
sufficiency is discipleship. Now let's go back to this Hosea passage here because when we see God's response to Israel's idolatrous ways, we must remember this. Please remember this. Every action will have a consequence. Every sin will have a consequence. I, I so appreciate, uh, Dennis, the, the song that you, that you sang on today that's based on 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, because the song says very clearly, as the word of God says, God is not saying if the world will, will straighten up and act right. No. Read 2 Chronicles 7, 14 this week. It says, if my people, if my people, my people, So, every sin has a consequence. And what we see is that the consequence of Israel's sin is that they will find themselves in captivity to Egypt again and also to Assyria. But, but this is the good news. This is the good news. This is the good news for us today today. Israel's idolatry, Israel's turning away from God is not the last word. I mean, at some point, we should all be shouting, but that's okay. God has the final word. I, I don't, look, look, as long as there is life, there is hope. Show me someone whom you've written off because of their behavior, their attitude, their lifestyle. As I think about those teenagers this past week, as long as there is life, there is hope. Because as long as there is life, they have the opportunity to hear the good news about an awesome, loving God who never gives up, who through Jesus Christ loves them, and wants them to enter into an intimate relationship with him. Yes, yes. God's word reminds us in Hosea, God says, I, look, I'm God. I am not like you human beings. And so I act differently than you human beings. What is the outcome of all of what has transpired? Go back and look at the text. In the midst of the people who have been called God's people, who've turned their backs on God, in the midst of all of that, God still shows compassion. Look at verse 11, where God says, They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. Redemption, restoration, return. That's what God offered to Israel, and that is what God offers to us through Jesus Christ. Those who have turned away God says, I'm still calling your name. Come on home. Come, come on home. One of the lessons I believe we have learned as followers of Jesus Christ is this. 
This life is a journey. We're constantly growing. We're, we're constantly striving to become more like Jesus Christ. And there are times that we fail. There are times that we say, God, forget it. No, you've hurt me. You, 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 you've disappointed me. And yet God still calls. Because you see, what God knows is that our our ability to comprehend all that God does and who God is is limited. And so God says to us, I'm still calling you home. You, you may be upset with me. You may even say that I've hurt you, but I'm still calling you home because when you come home, when you decide to, to enter into an intimate relationship, even though you are disappointed with me, you will discover something new about me. And that is that I still love you. I don't know. I, I just don't know what's going on in your world today. I, I don't know if you've been running away from God, if you've discovered that your self-sufficiency really isn't all that there is because there's still this void in your life, I don't know. If you're thinking, I just need to recommit my life to Jesus Christ today. Or you may be someone who's never thought about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because let's face it, things have been going very well. But I want you to know this. This, this, this is based on God's word. You will never discover your full self outside of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you think you've arrived without Jesus Christ, you haven't. You haven't. So while Katie plays, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, as we say to the children in preschool, or come to the altar if you so desire. Listen. Listen. What is God saying to you through Jesus? Loving and gracious Lord, our God, we come now to you. Speak, Lord. Speak.
And loving Lord, we recognize that there are those who are thinking, but but I'm I've not committed any sins. I, I'm I'm a good person. Remind us, loving God, that it's about growing even more intimately in a relationship with you. So give us the desire. Give us the longing to deepen our relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And for the one who does not know you, you're just an abstract name, oh God, may they know that you love them so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ into the world to teach the world about who you are and your love for your world. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of humankind, even for their sins. And those who invite Jesus Christ into their life as Savior and Lord, enter into a relationship with you after they've asked for forgiveness of their sins, invited Jesus Christ into their life, they now begin a brand new relationship with you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for calling us. Amen.